This is Stories of Win, where we showcase amazing women in neuroscience. We chat with them about their research, their unique journeys through academia, and what drives their passion for studying the brain. Here is one of their stories. Hello everyone, this is Margarida from Stories of Win, and I have the pleasure today of interviewing Dr. Hilary Allady. Dr. Hilary is a principal investigator at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, and soon also at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. The Allady lab studies the pathophysiology of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis and frontotemporal dementia by investigating the inhibitory and excitatory changes in the affected neuronal circuits. Thank you so much, Hilary, for letting me interview you today. It is really a great pleasure to have you. Thank you, Margarita, for the invitation. This is a, this is an honor. I'm very happy to, to be here and to meet you. Yes, I'm super excited. So I'll start as we usually do. And I want to ask you, where did the curiosity about the brain come from for you? So since I can remember, I wanted to study psychology. I was always very fascinated about human mind and how... Uh, you know the the way we we make decisions, uh, the way we we behave uh, around each other, and the the way we interact. Uh, so I really I really wanted to study psychology. I really wanted to study behavior, and I wanted to learn more about the changes that are happening, for example, in pathology. So so that that was really like how how it started, and I I had this uh, fascination since I was a teenager, basically. And then uh, later, I think around, I don't know, maybe I was 17, 18, something like that, I I read uh, uh, Daniel Schachtner's uh, book, Searching for Memory, and I was completely mesmerized. Uh, I thought it was, was a fantastic book. And I at that point, I really felt like, okay, I'm going to study the brain. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a neuropsychologist. Uh, and this is uh, this is actually what what I did. I um, I did a bachelor in uh, in neuropsychology at the University of Turin, um, and I just loved it. Uh, I I loved studying neurophysiology and neuroscience and neuropsychology, clinical neuropsychology as well. So yeah, so it, it started from from there basically. And uh, one thing that I find really um, interesting about you is that. Uh, you really started by working with patients first, right? Yes. So uh, towards the end of my bachelor, I started a, an internship uh, at the University Hospital in Turin, the Molinette Hospital, and I was uh, I was super happy because uh, because it was a great department. I couldn't believe I got in. Honestly, like I was very very pumped, and. Uh, and then I I got very surprised uh, because I I didn't realize how tough it would have been to to work with patients who were actually sick uh, and you know with uh, neurological disorders uh, often progressive diseases uh, um, very very often also not really treatable like we. For some of these disorders, where there was no cure, um, and there was especially one uh, one patient uh, who who had amyotrophic uh, uh, lateral sclerosis and frontotemporal dementia, and uh, uh, he was uh, the same age as my father at the time, and uh, from the anamnesis actually came out that uh, 
the the one of the children was uh, was born on the same day as me and in yeah that was like the moment in which i realized okay i you know if that was my it was definitely was my father and that was me like it felt so close in a way like uh what what could i do i i felt really you know powerless in that in that moment there is actually where i started being more and more interested in uh, in basic research but you know at that point i had i was a psychologist right i had no idea about basic research and uh, uh you know my my master was in psychobiology but was still within the faculty of psychology so i was studying mainly like uh you know clinical psychology and uh, you know there was a lot of physiology as well but it was not really preparing me for you know for the for the wet lab let's call it like that so at that point i actually got in touch with uh, uh, ferdinando rossi uh, who was uh, my uh, professor uh, for um, in, in neuroscience and uh, he, he he was an amazing teacher and uh, 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 you know also like a great scientist so he actually had uh, a previous uh, psychologist in the lab, uh, Katie Leto, and she she was doing her PhD with him, and uh, she's she's great scientist. So you know, she, he was like, yeah, maybe this is going to work out, and so he actually gave me a chance, and uh, and I started, uh, you know. Uh, baby steps, like one step after the other, uh, learning some immunosochemistry and then some in vitro culture, how to handle rodents. That was also for me, like, I didn't even know if I could do that, honestly. Um, but yeah, so it, it started like that. And and then uh, eventually one day, you know, my idea was to, uh, to then continue with him and do my PhD in Turin. Uh, in his lab. And then one day he calls me in his office and it's like, I think you should apply for this uh, Marie Curie um, initial training network, it's, uh, this PhD scholarships. And uh, I I don't think I knew exactly what, what it meant. Uh, like at that time, I didn't know how competitive it was. And, and I remember like, um, you know, him explaining me um, how prestigious it was and how competitive it was. And I, I looked at him and I was like, do you think I'm good enough? I am a psychologist. Probably people have, you know, very different type of backgrounds when they are applying for, for this type of uh, scholarships. And at that point, he told me something uh, that sounded more or less like, don't ever put a label on, your, on yourself and don't let anyone else do that. So just don't, you know, not, it's not because you're a psychologist that you can't be a good neuroscientist. Um, so, so then, you know, after that, I was like, okay, let's try it. Let's, uh, let's give it a go. And, uh, and I applied and, uh, and I got into the program. Uh, I was very surprised. I was the only psychologist, of course. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I got into the program and, uh, uh, and so I, I actually moved uh, to Spain to work with uh, uh, Professor Xavier Navarro and uh, Esther Rudina, uh, who, who were my supervisors uh, during during my PhD, and that was was great. Um, 
I, I, I moved to Barcelona. I was, uh, I was working, uh, with, uh, with them for, uh, for four years, um, at the Universita Autonoma de Barcelona. And, um, we, at that point, I was actually, uh, working on, uh, peripheral nerve regeneration and mainly on motor neuron regeneration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, why did you choose that specific project for your PhD? Well, because I I wanted to work on uh, on motor neurons, and uh, because again, like I was still very fascinated, uh, you know, by the motor neurons. I I thought uh, I think this was still linked to to my experience with uh, the ALS patients, and uh, you know, I I always thought that motor neurons were this like very interesting cells that uh, uh, that can regenerate they, they degenerate uh, and uh, they are so so you know they're so heterogeneous in a way because uh, we we have different types you know we we're actually like uh, we can classify them in many different subtypes depending on the muscle fibers they innervate so it's they there was there was something about about these cells that was uh, very fascinating, and I almost felt like maybe if I learn how to make them regenerate, then I can use that also, you know, to stop the the degeneration. I don't know. At that point, it just felt like, yeah, why why don't why don't I try that? And um, and I think I also really liked uh, Xavier. NSA, uh, they were, they really, they really believed that in me, they really trusted me. And, uh, it was, it was great. It was, it was mutual. Uh, and it was, um, yeah, it was a great experience from, from the beginning. Um, so I think it was, it was really like the fascination, uh, of, uh, for, for, for the this type of cells and uh, how how they regenerate, especially if we compare them with uh, with the sensory neurons in the DRGs. Uh, so I think it was pretty much how it, it started, how how I chose that uh, um, that project. It's it's really good that through your masters and your PhD, it sounds like you had really good mentors, and I think that was probably a really good kick for you to feel more confident and. Uh, and also, one of the things I'm interested in is, do you feel like um, even during your master's and PhD, your background gave you a different perspective on basic research? Yeah, I, I you know, still now, I think I have uh, a bit of a different, um, a different point of view, uh, because uh, for me, I always think about the patient. I always, uh, I, of course, like, to me, I do work in in basic research. Uh, we, you know, it's obvious. Like, we work on animal models, we work on in vitro models. Um, but uh, for me, there's always uh, uh, the patient at the end. Like, it has to be something that is translational and something that I somehow, you know, that I can bring to a clinical trial eventually. And uh, I also I also think that something something that comes from uh, from being a clinician and being a neuropsychologist it's is that we I mean I I have uh, 
I'm I'm always looking for for the behavior, right? I'm always like trying to analyze the behavior. I'm trying to understand the behavior, and because uh, you know this is how I got in into neuroscience or you know psychology uh, at the beginning, and uh, and that was really for me like just observing behavior and observing change, observing the changes in the pathology. And somehow I feel like I'm still doing the same, but I'm I'm doing it with the with the mice, of course. Like you know, we we use mouse models of disease in the lab. So, so but I, I'm still like looking for the small details and the small changes that are happening uh, in uh, in the in the animal models. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just to go a step back because I think it is important. What were the main findings of your PhD? Uh, so during my my PhD, we um, we set up an in vitro model. Uh, it was like a three D culture based on the organotypic slices uh, that allowed us to to study the early stages of regenerations uh, in immunotoneurons. And uh, in in this three D culture, we could actually add different type of uh, uh, cues uh, like uh, extracellular. Um, matrix molecules or traffic factors and see how the different factors will actually um, impact on the regeneration of the motoneurons. And so we found uh, uh, some traffic factors in combination with uh, uh, with some integrins to, you know, to be... Um, to be beneficial for regeneration of motoneurons, especially FGF and... Uh, But also like, so this, this was one of the, of the main findings that, that then we actually brought from the in vitro model to the in vivo model, uh, with, uh, with, uh, actually injury, injury models in, uh, in rats. We would, uh, deliver gene therapy in, uh, uh, in lesion rats and, uh, and look into motor neuron regeneration, uh, at that, uh, at that time. And uh, so, so it was a lot about uh, the early stages of regeneration, and you know, different traffic factors, how they would uh, um, be beneficial or detrimental uh, for for the regeneration. Uh, but there was also something else that uh, uh, that was really fascinating, uh, which was the the differences uh, in uh, in how motor neurons regenerated. Uh, it was very clear that even within the same uh, the same organotypic culture, we had uh, motoneurons that would just regenerate beautifully, uh, send these very long processes, uh, and uh, um, while others would just either like be quiescent or or die uh, within within the culture. So there was there was something about the intrinsic properties of the of the motoneurons that uh, um, that we observed that was very fascinating and uh, uh, and this is one of the reasons why then later I actually started working with uh, Eva Hedlund uh, at uh, Karolinska. Exactly, for your first postdoc, right? Yes. At that time, uh, I, yeah, as I, as I said, I was uh, fascinated by, by these intrinsic properties of, uh, of the motor neurons and Eva uh, just published the, the brain paper about the, the transcriptomics analysis of the oculomotor neurons, which are resistant in ALS. 
uh, and uh, uh, she was comparing this uh, this motor neurons to the vulnerable ones, uh, so the 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 ones that are found in the spinal cord, and uh, so and she was starting her lab at Karolinska, so. Uh, I I remember the she was advertising a postdoc position at Karolinska in her new lab. So she was uh, she was starting the lab and uh, she she moved uh, from uh, from the states back to to Sweden. She was uh, uh, she was in the states. She was in Harvard uh, before that, and then she moved back to to Sweden. And uh, I I remember like. I remember meeting her uh, for for the interview, and uh, I just I just felt like I want to work with this woman. Like she, because she's she's so energetic and she's so she's such a good scientist. I I really felt like I can learn so much from from her, uh, and and it was like it was a great uh, great decision. Like if I look back, it was it was just like a a great uh, a great decision, and. Um, she was uh, she was modeling uh, ALS in vitro using stem cells, uh, so motor neurons uh, derived from uh, uh, from embryonic stem cells. Uh, at the beginning, we were using mouse embryonic stem cells. Uh, now, of course, she's working a lot with uh, the IPS. Um, but uh, so it was a combination of uh, for me, it was like a combination of things that. Uh, uh, they really attracted uh, attracted me uh, when uh, when I when I chose to work with her because she was yeah she was working with stem cells and she was also starting with uh, you know the old transcriptomics uh, uh, boom let's call it like that uh, so with uh, the laser laser capture micro uh, micro dissection coupled with uh, uh, with transcriptomics uh, and it was it was just like. A great, uh, a great choice for my first postdoc. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a great combination of your interests from your PhD as well. Yes. So what? Uh, at that point, uh, uh, of course, like she was very interested in differential vulnerability, how and why um, different motor neurons are either you know degenerating in ALS or they're they're just just more resistant. For example, like the oculomotor neurons that are spared throughout uh, throughout the disease. Um, so that was very interesting for me, and uh, I really wanted to work uh, uh, on that topic. So so I moved to Stockholm, and uh, uh, and I stayed there for five years. And so then, for your second postdoc, you stayed at Karolinska. Actually, I I moved uh, to Copenhagen because uh, yeah because uh, it was uh, at that time uh, um, Ulla Kin was uh, recruited back to Denmark. Mm, you know, he's, he's originally from Denmark, uh, although he lived. Uh, he, I think he has double nationality. Uh, so he he lived in in Stockholm. It was a Karolinska for many years. I think uh, around seventeen years, something like that. And then he was recruited back uh, in uh, in Denmark. You, you know, we have been talking a lot about the, the intrinsic properties of uh, of the motor neurons and how they respond differently in disease. Um, however, I think when while I was in Karolinska, there was this. Uh, fantastic uh, environment uh, uh, working on motor control and systems neuroscience. Um, 
and uh, it was it was very contagious, right? Like uh, you know, everyone around me um, was uh, was working in motor control, and uh, and at that point, I remember I attended uh, a departmental talk, and uh, I I saw Ulekin speaking about uh, the premotor circuits in the spinal cord and um and i was like wow i mean you know we often don't really think uh you know like especially when when you're working on uh on motor neuron diseases sometimes you forget how complex the circuit behind the motor neurons is and like how important it is to actually execute movements and how to locomote and like if this is this connectivity is lost then then your your movements are impaired um that was a really like a eureka moment for me which i was like wow there is so much in motor control and i was maybe this is this could actually play a role in als and uh, uh at that time i think it was 2014, uh, there was a, a paper that came came out from uh, um, Abdel Almanira's lab that was showing um, that depending depending on the on the motor neuron type. So if there were, you know, we have the fast motor neurons and we have the slow motor neurons, and what they were showing, and this was done in zebrafish, they were showing that these uh, these motor neurons actually had different uh, premotor inputs as well. So there was some sort of like modularity that was kept uh, from uh, from the muscle all the way to to the promoter inputs. And I I really felt like okay this this could be this could be something I would like to investigate further because I was like, what if it's not only about uh, the intrinsic properties of the motor neurons? What if, uh, you know, it's not only about having more or less vulnerable motor neurons, but what if we have more or less vulnerable circuits controlling the motor neurons? So at that point, I, uh, you know, I came up with this idea and I tried to get some funding to work on that. Um, And it was not very successful to be completely honest because people i think mm, people would be like why would you work on interneurons in als like this is a motor neuron disease and uh, i think there was the general idea that um, you know interneurons were not that important in the disease they, they were not really playing a role in the disease um so and so at that point i approached Ule and uh, and I told him like why don't you know what do you think and he thought it was a great idea I was like yes let's you know let's apply for money together let's uh, let's work on uh, on this idea and it was a high risk idea also because there there was there was an hypothesis about the role of uh, of um, inhibitory neurons uh, in ALS so the, the there were you know like papers showing. Uh, um, showing that interneurons, especially the branchial cells, uh, were actually like playing playing a role in uh, in the disease. But I think overall the idea was that they were affected after the motor neurons, uh, and so it was a, a slightly unclear uh, when um, when the effect 
you know, when, when the disease was actually affecting this type of interneurons as well. So, yeah, and at that, at that time, Ulla was, uh, was moving, uh, so he was relocating with his lab at University of Copenhagen. Uh, and so, so we, so I decided to, to move to Copenhagen with him. And, uh, um, and that was, yeah, that was a great, great choice <laughs> again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was, uh, that was great. And working with Ulla was so much fun. He trusts you and you, you can really perform at your best and being creative uh, in uh, in this environment is very supportive. And so it was just three years of uh, fun, getting great results. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a great experience. And it, yeah. it's really interesting that you moved places at every step and also kept having really good experiences. And so Then how did the transition from a senior postdoc to principal investigator happen? So they they actually advertised um, three positions uh, for uh, assistant and associate professors. And this was uh, linked to the new education uh, that was starting, the, the Master in Neuroscience. They needed new teachers and basically they were hiring. Uh, it was a five-year position, so not a permanent position, but they were hiring uh, group leaders. And uh, so I, I applied for, uh, for, for that position, and, uh, and which then I got. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, so I started my lab uh, in, uh, in 2021. Uh, and so I have been... A group leader uh, since uh, since then, and yeah, so it was it was a very new experience for me, right? Because I was uh, I was supervising, I you know I was supervising students before I, I had uh, um, a PhD student who I'm I'm also currently uh, supervising together with uh, with Ule, um, and yeah, but it. It was all of a sudden like I had all this responsibility and uh, I was hiring people and yeah I had fundings I I got you know also funding from uh, from Lundbeck to to work on my on my own projects so it was all of a sudden it was like wow um, you know it's like a, it's a new step in my career it's a new step in my life and uh, uh, yeah and it has been very exciting. Since then, and you, they all like recruiting new people and uh, try to to match the right people on the right uh, on the right projects, uh, taking care of uh, of the trainees. Uh, um, it's it has been like a, a fantastic journey. It's uh, it has been very very fun, and it's uh, you know I feel privileged that I can actually work on my own ideas, right? There, there's this um, this fantastic feeling when you when you write a grant and then eventually this grant get funded, and then you can actually work on your ideas, and uh, and have people you know working with you when you you get to train them. It's 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 a beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful job. It's a you know, it's, I think it's the best job. <laughs> 
honestly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I guess it is a great challenge, but uh, also very rewarding. And because you're still in your first year as a group leader, I'm wondering what are the plans for, let's say, the next five years? What are you focused on? Definitely we will keep working on ALS and uh, we will keep working on... Um, Uh, on the interneurons uh, role uh, in uh, in ALS, we have uh, new data, and uh, uh, this is really pointing towards. Uh, you know, it's, it's not only about um, about the V1. We see more. Uh, you know, also the excitatory neurons than uh, being being affected uh, later in the disease. It really looks like there are several maladaptive changes uh, within the circuit uh, when, uh, you know, when it comes to ALS. Um, so, of course, like we will keep working on, uh, uh, on ALS and uh, we will uh, also uh, work now, uh, we, are, we will start working on frontotemporal dementia as well. Uh, the lab has uh, a very strong focus on behavior. We will keep working a lot on behavior. Uh, we, we use uh, uh, machine learning based analysis of behavior to pinpoint uh, the first small uh, changes and the first small symptoms uh, in, uh, in the disease. And then we try to correlate that with um, changes in the circuit. And then, of course, there is the, the special transcriptomic uh, part of, uh, of the work. Uh, we, we are also using uh, multiplexing analysis as well as, uh, um, for example, a nanostring uh, technique to investigate what is going on within this, uh, uh, within the circuit, so within, uh, within these uh, this neurons. And as a supervisor for your lab members, is there anything in particular that you have been focused in um, in your mentoring style? I think uh, for me, it's very important to to encourage uh, everyone in the lab. Uh, and I think often what I see is that girls are not encouraged enough. You know, the, the way we, we, we tend to raise girls in society, uh, we never tell them, be bold, take risks and, you know, be different, you know, just, just try, try to, to take the hard path and see where that leads. Right. I think that that is, uh, that is something that I try to do. And uh, I think I'm, I'm very lucky because my family was very supportive in uh, in that sense they they always told me just you know you can do it go ahead you can do it and i think throughout uh, my my career i had a lot of people that were very supportive a lot of these were men uh, who really like made space for women like me uh, and they were very supportive and they were just like yes keep doing it like you you're on the right path so i really hope that i i can do the same and especially for for the girls who i get to supervise and i you know all my students because i think girls need to to be bold and take risks yeah exactly and i think um, a lot of times in stem even though there is already and uh, i'm glad it's turning 
better now and if we see more girls um, doing STEM, I feel like there is still quite a division between more biology focused or more mathematical or computer engineering. And a lot of times it is true that it's because society wise, we don't really push girls on these other ends of science. That's true. That's true. In my lab, all the girls are the ones coding. It's uh, so it's like I'm trying to change the trend. It's uh, the girls who code. <laughs> that's amazing, and I I think that's that's a really cool thing about your lab is that you can learn anything and you can push people to learn anything. And uh, yeah, that's a really um, important thing that you're doing as well. Not only science, but also mentoring the new generation of scientists. It's uh, that is an honor. I think it's it's fantastic. Like I get so much uh, energy from uh, just be around my students. Uh, even just you know when I'm teaching, uh, I always try to uh, to talk to them, uh, to connect to them, and. Uh, I had uh, I had a student a few weeks ago uh, asking me how do you choose between industry and academia, and uh, you know I was like I remember being a master student and being terrified. It's like how do I choose? Like what is more important? How am I gonna how am I gonna find my way? And and I think what I did at the time was just try different things. Try different things until you find the thing that you know is right for you. It's a bit like falling in love, right? It's like you need to find something that you can see yourself doing for the rest of your career, the rest of your life. So it's it's really difficult, but it's also very exciting. Sometimes I, I, yeah, I I feel like now I kind of know, you know, the the one in Saint Andrews is is a permanent position, so it's a different type of excitement, honestly. Uh, when uh, when it comes to you know deciding what uh, what to do and which path to choose, I think it's a it's a very different thing, right? It's a, it's a, it's it's not only excitement. It's there's it's a bit scary, right? It's it is scary, um, but it's uh, you know you 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 should never be uh, afraid of trying, and also to say no, this is not what I want to do. Because it was it was hard, for example, to tell my parents after five years uh, education in psychology to say no, I want to do research, uh, which in Italy, by the way, is very poorly paid. Um, so they were, you know, they were supportive, but they were a bit worried. Um, so it's you know you, sometimes you just need to say no, I don't want to do this thing. This is not for me, uh, and uh, try something different and see if you can do it. And sometimes you. You'll be surprised of your of yourself. Yeah, mm. absolutely. That's that's really inspiring, and I, I guess there is always um, the way I try to see it. Hopefully, it's true. Is that you can always change. I mean, if at one point you also think you want to do something else, and that could be moving to industry, hopefully you can do it as well as you if you put your mind to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, industry sometimes is seen if if. I don't think it's the same, uh, right, you know, nowadays, but it used to be like a bit the dark side, right? If you, uh, if you don't manage in academia, you're going to go to industry or you're going to try to find something else, but that's absolutely not like that. You know, it's like academia is a very, 
very peculiar environment. It's uh, it's important that people within academia really like this type of environment. They like this type of job. When uh, when you become a PI, your work really changes, right? You you start well in my case, you start teaching more. You you're writing grants, you're reviewing papers, you're writing papers. If you are not enjoying that part of the job, then probably that's not, not, not going to be the right environment for you. Or maybe you you don't want to be a PI. It's fine to say, I don't want to be a PI, even if you're a great scientist, because you can be a great science scientist and do many other things and not just being a PI. So it's it's important to to tell people like find your way whatever that is it's your way so it's going to be right for you and there's no like oh my god it has to be right for my supervisor for my parents my you know who cares like it has to be right for you thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing those words of advice it really sounds reassuring <laughs> coming from someone <laughs> as successful as you no but it's it's really true like i'm I think like I was molded in a way that really, really works for academia. I love writing grants. I love, uh, uh, you know, reviewing papers, even like I really, really like it. And uh, I, I love supervising the students. I, it's this very, uh, you know, it's really, I find a lot of energy from, from supervision, but it's a very different type of job. Like, and, and I understand if you, if people at some point say, this is not my thing, uh, I I want to be in the lab and I want to optimize methods and I want to, you know, bring this treatment to the clinical trials. It's, there's so much. I want to be an editor. I want to be a write like a scientific writer. There's so, so many options. So we should not restrain ourselves. <laughs> so I, I think we are already reaching the end of the time, but I, I would like to end with something light. Um, you've been someone who traveled so much through different cities and lived in so many different places. And so I'm, I'm wondering what do you like to do or what do you enjoy doing in your free time? Uh, so in my free time, I write short stories and I took, especially when I was in Stockholm, I took several courses on uh, creative writing and yeah, narrative writing. Uh, so it's this is what I do. I also uh, I also do Pilates. Uh, so it's uh, another thing that I do. I used to run a lot. Uh, now I have a bit less time, but uh, yeah, I. I try to I try to have uh, um, passions and and interests that are outside science because I think it's uh, it is important to you know sometimes to take a break from from work and really just think about something else. Um, and then I love traveling, of course. Like that's uh, that's the other thing. Um, but <laughs> yes, so I, I do travel a lot with uh, with my husband and. Uh, um, we we're very foodie and uh, so we we like to to go and try you know the food and the wine from different countries <laughs> that's really cool and it's really cool to also learn about your interest through writing that's really amazing so you're really a person of all of these different skills and interests i find it really interesting it, it really has been a great pleasure interviewing you um thank you so much for your time 
Thank you very much. This was、uh, this was very fun. Thank you very much, Makaida. <laughs>